0: What's up, Redeemed Church? It's me, your friend, Eddie Johnson, uh, and I'm excited this week to get to continue uh, our Rooted series, Uh, and today we're talking about serving, uh, and that's the next step in the Rooted series. If you're new uh, to Redeemed Church, Uh, we're going through the series called Rooted. It's really about the practical, basics, fundamental things that as believers that we uh, adhere to, the things that we know that if we get this right, if we move in this direction, if we lock in here, what happens is, is uh, the entire runway of everything God wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our community is wide open. Uh, and today we're talking about serving and, and we're gonna break up this message in two parts, okay? I wanna give you three thoughts about serving uh, that I always go back to. So so this is Eddie Johnson 101. So not only is this Christian Life 101, this is Eddie Johnson 101. Uh, and then I wanna like give you a new thought that as I was working on this message, uh, came to me and just crystallized in my mind really clear. So first of all, the three thoughts I have on serving in general. When, I, when I'm when i working with volunteers, when I'm onboarding a new leader that says, hey, I wanna serve in this capacity, this is something I often teach, I often show them, I often encourage them with, because I want to make sure that they know that what they're doing is truly a, a, a godly thing. And number one, the first thing I always te- tell them is, serving in the kingdom of God, in our church, Context. I don't just mean church, redeemed church, lowercase C. I mean capital C, the universal church, the the church of Jesus Christ, the church that God has ordained and set up to be the witness to the world. In that church, in this church, in our church, serving serving is expected. That's not number one. Serving is expected. This is part of the family, I I, I love, uh, uh, I can't remember, I have some friends, uh, I can't remember which friend said this, but I have a few friends that have said this before to their kids, right? Uh, They might give their kid an allowance or they might give their kids some money to go do fun things, but when their kids came to them and said, hey mom, hey dad, can I get some money? Can I get paid for doing my chores, for taking out the trash, for washing the dishes? And I have friends that they always said growing up with their kids, they're like, no, you take out the trash, you do the dishes, you clear, the, clear out the dishwasher because that's just part of what we do as a family. This is the stuff we do to make the family work together. And that's truly what serving is. Serving in the body of Christ is just part of who we are. It's literally in our DNA. Matthew 23, 11, Jesus says it. Whoever's gonna be the 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 least, or excuse me, whoever's gonna be the greatest among you is going to be the least. Whoever is going to be the greatest among you is going to be the servant of everyone. It's Matthew 23, 11, right? This is the, this is the baseline. This is the, 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 the lobby of the kingdom of God is one of serving. It's one of taking off your cloak and giving it to someone else. This is the, 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 the very fundamental idea that the kingdom is built on, Philippians chapter two. We're not gonna read the whole thing today, but the idea when Jesus came from heaven to earth is the Bible tells us that he had all the royalty, all the riches, all the amazing things of heaven, but he left that identity, put on his new identity, became a lowly bond servant, a slave, a humble servant, so that he would redeem the world. The very fundamental idea in Christendom, in the kingdom, is that we serve. We don't win by uh, being the best, by having everyone lord over us. We win, we love, we grow, we show the love of God by serving. So that's thought number one. Real practical, real simple, I know. You're like, wow, if you've been around the church for a while, that doesn't really shock you, but hopefully it's a good reminder that the standard operating procedure for Jesus followers Is We serve. It's not a question. As a matter of fact, I'm going to unpack this. I was going to move on to point number two. But let me unpack it just one more time. Quite frankly, as believers, once you say yes to Jesus, once you're mature, once you know who Jesus is, you're fully uh, stepping into who God's called you to be and you're walking it out and you're trying to grow. Number one, we serve. Hey, what does that look like? Maybe that's in children's church, Maybe that's with the youth ministry. Maybe that's outside of the four walls of the church. Maybe that's working with homeless folks. Maybe that's you know going to your neighbor and you see they need help and you just say, hey, let me take a step of faith, not even a step of faith. let me just take a step of action and go serve the person next to me. This is once again standard operating procedure in the kingdom of God is we live a life of service. Why? Because Jesus did it first and we just model what Jesus did. The second thought I always have to tell people is serving is a risk. Serving is risky. Look at the kingdom of God. Look at or excuse me. Look at Jesus Christ in His ministry. He did so many things. Matter of fact, one of the things that stand out to me whenever I think that serving is risky, I think of the story of a man with leprosy, right? That Jesus heals this man with leprosy. Leprosy is a, a skin-eating disease that, if you don't know that people would be in leper colonies and they would be unclean and they'd be separated from family. They'd be separated from friends. They'd be separated from community and and they lived a life that was completely ostracized. And when they would walk down the road, people would shout unclean, unclean because you'd have to walk to the other side of the street so that you wouldn't come even anywhere near close to this person who had leprosy. Jesus, Luke 5, Matthew 8, check it out for yourself. He touches this man and heals this man of leprosy in a time when everyone else was avoiding serving, when everyone else was avoiding stepping in, when everyone else was avoiding relationship and connection. Jesus is the one who steps in and bridges the gap and say where no one else wants to go, I will go. Doesn't that sound a lot like how we should be serving today? 2000, or excuse me, 2021, in the year 2021. This is a season, we've talked about it before, post-COVID, post this kind of new life, so many people are, are dialing it back, right? So many people are, are, are being standoffish and they're like, ooh, I don't know if I want to step into that. Can I tell you something, church? This is the season when, when everyone else is taking a step back, no one wants to cross over the bridge because everything over there is hard and unclean and, and, and not easy to do. This is the time when us as believers should be like Jesus and step up and step in. We should risk it for the biscuit. I woke up this morning and had that. I don't remember who came up with that. It was in a movie or something like that. But that was the first thought that came to my mind when I woke up this morning. We should risk it. We should take the step of faith and serve. Jesus' life was all about serving. And Jesus lived his life. He gave his life away to people. He risked it all. And even at the end of Jesus' life, they tried to kill him. They did kill him, but they came after him. They attacked him. They wanted to tear him down. They killed him before, before he rose again on the third day. Why? Because Jesus, the the, the 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 Savior of the world, the Christ, came to earth incarnate through the ba- uh, 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 born of a virgin, an, an incarnate baby, grow up to be a man who served and gave back He was the son of God. He was God, made flesh here in human form and said, hey, I come here not to be served, but to serve. I came here taking off all of my riches and robes and my royalty of heaven and putting on this this crown of thorns, putting on this human frailty. And I do that to serve and give back. It's a risky endeavor. The third thing, the third thing I always tell people when we talk about serving, it's not only serving expected in the kingdom of God, not only serving uh, uh, risky, you have, to, you have to take a, a, a step. But serving can be fun. Some of my greatest stories I have in ministry are when we took a step of faith and we went to go serve. I can tell you about the time of my senior year in high school. Me and some buddies drove down to downtown Tacoma in the middle of the night. And we just made, we made PB&J sandwiches throughout the night. And we just went to downtown Tacoma. We just walked up and down the streets, handing out p- peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and praying for people. I can take you to the San Francisco in the Tenderloin district where I went with my friends, Nate Henderson, Adam Barta, uh, uh, Nate Robbins, Brad and Roberta Shimomura, I can name names. I could show you pictures, Kathy Donnelly. And we prayed for people in the streets of the Tenderloin in San Francisco when I was in high school and when I was in college and we prayed for people, invited them to come to church with us. I can take you to uh, Eastern Oregon, where I served at a church uh, on a short-term missions uh, team, and we dug a ditch, okay? We dug ditches for a church so that they, uh, I don't even remember fully what they were doing, but, but they needed to get some irrigation put into their church, and I don't remember all the details, but we came and we served because this church didn't have anyone else in their community that was willing to help give them back. So we got a few people together. We said, hey, there's a small church in Eastern Oregon. We're going to go serve them. We're going to dig a ditch for them so they can put in an irrigation system. Right? I can take you back to when I was a youth pastor in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada, And we every, uh, every Thanksgiving time, we literally fed thousands upon thousands of people we we prepared a meal. We blocked off two city blocks, and we we would what we would do is our church was called the Dream Center of Las Vegas. If you're familiar with the Dream Center style churches, I was a youth pastor there, and every Thanksgiving we did a giant Thanksgiving meal where we literally fed between a thousand and like fifteen hundred people. We block off two city blocks. Our former our chef that actually ran the whole thing used to be the chef uh, uh for Donald Trump uh, when he uh, bought and opened up some of his first casinos. And we would do this uh, uh, block of two city blocks uh, and we would feed thousands upon thousands of people. It evolved to not just feeding people, but to having a clothing bank, to having toy giveaways. We even got covered by the local news station in Las Vegas, Nevada every year because we did this event. It was amazing, it was fun, it took so much work, it took so much energy, but it all came back to this idea. Our community has a need, we have an opportunity and we wanna step in and serve. Serving is expected, serving is risky, but serving is so much fun. You see the beauty of the kingdom of God. You see the rewards of the kingdom of God show up, not just in your life, but in someone else's life when you give back and serve. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus and the disciples? John chapter five, they broke bread and fed thousands of people. Can you imagine what that was like? Matter of fact, if you think about it, two times in the Bible, Jesus feeds the multitudes. He feeds the 4,000. He feeds the 5,000. How amazing is it that this is what Jesus and his disciples get to do? Can you imagine the exhilaration or the, um, is that even a word exhilaration? Can you imagine how exhilarating it was to see thousands upon thousands of people? And, and if you didn't know when they count the 4,000 the 5,000, uh, that's just the men, right? Read your word. It says the number of men totaled in these, each of these occurrences are 4,000 and 5,000. So you add women and children, 20,000 people probably, probably more, were fed by Jesus and his disciples in two occurrences, in two separate occurrences. How exhilarating, how much fun, how exciting, how beautiful is that? When you give back and you serve, it does something special. I don't think it's a coincidence that jesus describes uh the life with him the life with god in john ten ten, as abundant life and i think you can only fully realize abundant life the way god designs it if you're serving i truly believe that all right so those are just some thoughts that i tell folks when they're stepping in to wanting to serve. Uh, I, I, that's what I do uh, on the regular, I literally go through that spiel several times a year and just encourage people that when it's time to serve, these are what I want you to think about. And as I was preparing for this message, I was going through the Rooted series, uh, I wanted to unpack one more thought for you. And, and I think this is really timely for us today. As a matter of fact, uh, I wanna give a shout out uh, to two people. Number one, our pastor, Kurt Ron. Uh, last week, We celebrated Pastor Appreciation uh, Month, and we honored him and blessed him and Meg for all they do. And one of our elders, John Vandergren, got up and shared uh, some scripture and prayed for him. And it was funny because I was like, hey, that's one of the scriptures I might be using uh, next week when we do this message. And let me read these verses out of Mark chapter 10. And we're gonna unpack this idea here. And and you're gonna see a very quick and easy connection to those three points that I just shared with you. Mark 10, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they called them sons of thunder because they had fiery personalities, right? They were like, oh, let's do this. They come to Jesus and say, teacher, we want to do, or we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Jesus uh, said, what do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and let the other sit at your left hand in glory. All right, so these guys had a plan. They were like, yo, we're all about this kingdom of God thing. We rocking with you, Jesus. Yo, we're the sons of thunder. We do big things. So hey, you do big things, we do big things. One's gonna sit at your right, one's gonna sit at your left. Boom, we got this. James, John, and Jesus. It's like like the best, like, like three-man band ever. And then Jesus said in verse 38, You don't know what you're asking. <laughs> right? Okay, let's, let's pause right there for a second. Jesus said to these two fellas, these two brothers, they're like, He's like, yo, you don't know what you're asking. Like, you think you're a big deal. You think you are the man, the man, the myth, the legend, but can you drink the cup, is what Jesus said. That, or can you drink the cup, I drink, or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. Why did Jesus say that? Because he knew that the ultimate end of his serving sacrifice was just that. He was gonna give his life. He was prepared, Jesus was prepared. From the moment he said yes, the Bible says the lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth, that the lamb was slain. So Jesus knew his plan, his mission was to come to earth, serve, sacrifice, and die. He was going to do the ultimate act of serving. Can you drink? You have no idea what you're asking. You want to sit at my right and my left? Can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Can you be baptized with what I'm about to be baptized in? Are you ready to undergo this fire? And they answered, we can. They had no idea. They had no idea. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I'm about to drink. You will be baptized with what I'm about to baptize with. But to sit at my right hand or to sit at my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom uh, they have been prepared. Jesus tells these guys, hey, You don't get it now. But over time, after I do what I'm about to do, a couple years are going to go by. You're going to get it. And that truly is the story of the disciples. They didn't get it in the moment. But after Jesus died and rose and ascended to heaven, these 12 men or these 11 men got it. A flip got switched. All but one were martyred and killed. And John, John the Beloved, the one they considered Jesus' best friend, John the Revelator went on to write some of the most amazing words the scripture has ever seen, the world has ever seen. So Jesus, after he tells the disciples, you don't get it now, but one day you will. Verse 41, when the 10 heard this, so the other 10, they became indignant with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that, those who are, who are regarded as rulers and of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise their authority. Not so with you. Let's pause right there. Jesus, let's make it plain as day. Jesus says the rulers and authority of this world, their plan, their agenda is to take their authority. And to, uh, and to lord over people, and to exercise their might, and to make sure that the world knows that I'm in charge, I'm the man, I run things. But Jesus says to all 12 of his disciples, and, and I think, and when I say think, I'm pretty confident of this. I know Jesus is speaking to these 12. What he is speaking is echoing into eternity, to use a line from Gladiator. What Jesus is saying here is, He's saying, This is not supposed to be the way you do it. And church, he's speaking to us, it's echoing into eternity. This is not the way you're supposed to do it. You don't need the hard power. You don't need the the, the smashing of the fist. You don't need the yelling at the top of the lungs. You don't need the pride and the pomp and circumstance and the bombasticness that comes with flexing your leadership and your authority muscle. You don't need the ego that comes with it. That's not the way we do it. It's not the way we do it. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you, you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be the first must be the slave of all. And verse 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and like we said earlier, give his life as a ransom for many. This is what Jesus institutes in the church, in the body of Christ, in the kingdom. He makes it crystal clear. My kingdom does not function like the kingdom of this world. My kingdom compared to this world looks upside down and backwards. This is not how this way they do it is not how we do it. And we are not gonna do things the way they do it because when the world comes to us, they need to come and say, whoa, whoa, this is different. This is special. This is awesome. There's been so many times in my life when uh, I've seen Christians do things and it's hurt my heart and it's bummed bummed me out because I'm like, man, I don't think that's the way we do things. But I can also tell you, there has been several times in my life, so many other times in my life, when I've seen believers do things and I've seen the world tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, is that what it's like in the house of God? Okay, maybe they didn't say those exact words. But I've had people tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, is this what it's like loving Jesus? Is this what it's like knowing who he is and and being a part of the family of God? Because if that's what it's like, That's what I want. That's what I want. Church, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to lead, live, love, and serve differently from the world. Because when we do... The world just can't handle it. It it short circuits their system and they go haywire because they're like, this does not compute. This does not compute. I don't know. I'm used to my boss yelling at me and, and I'm used to this person having a big ego and I'm used to this person getting on Instagram and TikTok and doing all these things and telling me how awesome and cute they are. But you, you're different. You're different. Church, we're supposed to be different. I feel like sometimes I get up here and I preach the same message sometime because it's a real simple message. You're supposed to be different. I've had a couple times in my life where I've had a few young men who I've mentored and, and, and specifically there's two young men that I've mentored throughout the years who they came to me, two separate guys, two different seasons of life. They're both in, one's in his early to mid 20s, one's in his late 20s. I think he's about to turn 30 even. Two different young men who both I've talked to throughout the years. And I remember both of them said to me almost the exact same thing. They were going through this time when they were in college and and, and they were feeling the, the weight and the pressure um, to leave their faith. They were feeling the weight and the pressure to act um, uh, like everyone else. And they were wrestling with the tension of, of, of college life and partying, or, or even not even that extreme, just wanting to maybe like, not have to feel like they had to be the, the Jesus follower in the group, if that makes sense. I'm sure all of us at some point, we felt that type of fight or we've had that type of fight. We felt that type of feeling. And I remember to each of these young men, I said the exact same thing. And, and, and the first time the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my head, I, had, I didn't come prepared, didn't have it chambered, didn't have it holstered, right? The second time I had it prepared, I had it chambered, I had it holstered because I knew the conversation I was stepping into. And as these two young men One's name is Chris, one's name is Graham. I'll give you the, the, the two names, we'll say that. Sitting across the table from both of them. I can take myself, transport myself back to that moment. They both said to me, Eddie, I just feel like I have to dot, dot, dot. And I remember telling them both this. It's like, who told you you were supposed to fit in? Who told you you were supposed to be like everyone else? Quite frankly, if I look in the scripture, I look and it says you're supposed to be completely different than the rest of the world. And I think sometimes for us as a church, we, we get into these ruts. Can I, can, I, can I say that? Sometimes as a church, church gets boring. Can I say that? <clears throat> sometimes as believers, what we're doing just doesn't feel like it's working. Hey, can I tell you something also? That's okay. That's Okay. Matter of fact, I tell people this all the time, church gets boring. Going to Sunday school gets boring. I work for Young Life. Even Young Life at times gets boring, but a relationship with Jesus never gets boring because what happens is when you have an authentic relationship with Jesus, you recognize when you're feeling that funk, when you're feeling that stuff inside of you. You've gotta step in, you've gotta step out, you've gotta do more, you've gotta serve like it's risky, you've gotta step out on the ledge. I think, I can't remember what energy drink used to have this quote. They said, if you're standing on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Church, when we don't serve, when we don't step out in faith and give back, we're standing on the edge and taking up way too much space. Jesus wants us all in. Here's the idea that came to me this week as I was preparing. Jesus works in you so that what's not in you will be in you. And so what's in you will come out of you. Let me say that again. Jesus works in you. So what's not in you will be in you. And what is in you will come out of you. One last time. Jesus works in you. So what's not in you will be in you. And what in you will come out of you. That's what serving does, church. Matter of fact, if I would even say that's what sacrificial, Christ-like serving does, it makes it not about you. It takes something that's not in you because it's inherently in Christ. It puts it in you. And now that it's in you, Jesus says, keep serving so it will come out of you. Jesus works. So what's not in you will be in you. And what's in you will come out of you. Church. When we serve, when we serve how Christ served, when we understand that we're not supposed to look like the rest of the world, when we understand that as a part of the kingdom of God, the body of Christ, serving is expected, serving is a risk, and serving can be a lot of fun. What's not in you will be in you, and what's in you, Jesus will bring out of you. So the world will see and the world will be like, that's the God I want to serve. Can I pray for us? We are on the cusp of so many amazing things at redeemed church. And I truly believe that we are gonna seek God do even more as we continue to serve in Jesus name. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you because you first blessed us. So we now bless our brothers and sisters. We bless our friends and family. Lord, we bless our community of Lakewood, Steilacoom, DuPont, University Place, Tacoma, Parkland. Lord, we bless our people. We bless JBLM and the military personnel. We bless our community. We bless uh, our, 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 our friends and family, our, 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 our firefighters, our law enforcement. We bless our teachers and our educators. Lord, we bless our community. We bless those who are struggling and have need and those who are rich in abundance. We bless, bless, bless. Lord, and more importantly, we serve because we believe and we know that we are called to represent Christ by serving this world, by serving them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Church, I'm so glad you tuned in. I hope to see you in person next time. It's awesome that you're online, but come in person if you can, all right? Do what you gotta do. We love you. God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. See you next time.